0: You know, every scar tells a story. Every scar tells a story. Some of them are painful, uh, deeper than we want to talk about. Others are perhaps heroic, where we uh, did something great, maybe our glory days of sports or something like that, or we uh, stepped in and took a hit for somebody else to protect them. Others are just well, acts of stupidity, right? Ourselves or somebody else's that led to that. I have some of those scars myself. I've got, for example, I've got a couple on my wrists here. These go back to um, 20-some years ago when uh, I was at Asbury Seminary. Jennifer and I were there. We, I was working on my master's degree, and we lived in this, um, well, some might call it cheap house. We'll call it vintage house, right? A, this vintage house there. Uh, didn't really have uh, good good heating, so we used a wood burning stove to do all of the heating in the winter. And uh, this, when on really cold nights, we would really stuff this thing full, right, so that when you'd wake up in the morning, it wouldn't be quite as cold as it would have been otherwise. And I remember right beside the stove, uh, we had these uh, big welder's gloves, because this thing would get really hot. I mean, like surface temperatures like 700 degrees, right? So that when you're really stuffing it, you could put those things on and, and do it safely, right? Well, the one thing about me is I'm a man, so I don't need things like that, right? Obviously, clearly, don't need to wear gloves. So... I've got a few scars from times. It's amazing how quickly your flesh will burn at 700 degrees. <laughs> Don't try it. Don't recommend it at all, right? But so I have multiple scars because it, well, took me multiple times to learn the lesson, of course. I've got another one on my eyebrow. That, this one goes way back to the early 90s to fourth grade when I was attending uh, Faith Bible Camp, uh, which was a camp there in Illinois where I'm from. My best friend had invited me to go. It was a great little camp. I'm pretty sure it was the cheapest camp in all of Illinois. No joke, a weekly fee for a student was $40. Like, my dad was like, could we send him all summer long? (laughs) This is cheaper than groceries, right? So anyway, so I'm there. And uh, what they lacked in money, they made up for in creativity, of course, right? At the time, one of the most popular shows on TV was American Gladiators. You might remember their joust game that they played, right? And uh, at the camp, they replicated this game on a little lower budget version than you see here. Uh, No helmets, of course, that would be nonsense. Um, But they made the joust sticks out of PVC pipe and uh, the uh, padded ends were made out of pillows left behind by previous campers. (laughs) Uh, duct taped onto the end of the joust sticks, right? So I remember we're playing, and like I, I knocked this one kid down, and I pivoted, and, and, and I knocked another kid down, and, and I pivoted, and I can still see it in my mind today because the guy was kind of behind me, so I didn't see him, and I turned just in time to see that he had turned the stick with the butt end pointed at me and just hit <laughs> like that. Well, unfortunately, the pillow taping guy hadn't bothered to get the butt end of the stick So it was all PVC right to my face. And there was blood everywhere. Um, And I I clearly needed stitches, uh, but one of my fourth grade friends had convinced me that if you went to get stitches in your eyebrow, they would uh, shave off the eyebrow and it wouldn't grow back properly, if ever. So I convinced the nurse to uh, not make me go get stitches because naturally fourth graders should be making their own medical care decisions. (laughs) So, you know, some of my scars, well, most of them are really due to stupidity when you think about it. But if I'm honest, I've got heart scars, too. You don't see them, but things I've been through in life, and I'm sure that you do as well. We've all got them. They're kind of part of who we are. And we wish, we may wish they weren't there. We may try to hide them or try to to cover them up. But the fact is they are there and they're part of who we are. The stories that these scars tell are part of our stories. They're part of what makes us who we are today. And I believe they're part of God's story in our life as well. Not that God caused all of these things, but they're demonstrations of the fact that in times that God has healed us, maybe some of the situations were not ideal by any means, but that God has brought us through, and we're still still moving forward. We're still moving forward. We're going to take a look at a variety of scars in in this series, but today I want to focus in on the scars of Jesus. Because Jesus himself bore scars, physical scars on his body after the resurrection. (laughs) The Son of God, God himself, has... Scars. Isn't that interesting? So when you look at your scars, it's a commonality that we have with God, which is in some ways kind of a strange thing, don't you think? I mean, God is all-powerful. Jesus here on this earth did many acts of healing, right? Why on earth would He not have removed His own scars? He can, I mean, after all, he can make the blind man see. He can make the lame person walk, right? He can cast out demons. He even called Lazarus up from the dead, right? Surely he can get rid of some nail prints, don't you think? Why does he leave them? I mean, it's an oddity because these scars were really, they had some pretty negative connotations. These scars are from crucifixion. Crucifixion is this punishment given out by imperial Rome. They didn't even give it out to their own citizens. It was only foreigners and slaves, people that they were oppressing, really, who could be crucified. Crucifixion was was made to strike fear into people, to strike fear into their subjects so that they would continue to pay taxes, continue to do the things they were supposed to do. If you've seen the play, the, play, uh, the musical Hamilton, you might remember this line uh, from King George When push comes to shove, I'll send a fully armored battalion to remind you of my love. This is crucifixion. It was a terrible thing. So, why wouldn't the Son of God want to <laughs> clean that up a little bit to, to remove this from his body? Well, Every scar tells a story, and it was an important story in Jesus' life. Also, his scars did something for his followers. Let's talk about a guy named Thomas. You might remember him. Thomas was a disciple of Jesus, one of the twelve. And when Jesus appeared to the disciples for the first time, Thomas was out and about. We don't know where, but for some reason he wasn't there that day. And so Thomas didn't have the first opportunity to see Jesus together with the disciples that the other ones had had. And so he had some doubts, right? He had some questions. And and he gets known as Doubting Thomas, but it's kind of unfortunate from his standpoint, right? I mean, how would you like it if you got known for all the rest of human history by one thing that you said, right? One thing, right, I mean, I don't know, if that's me, I hope they catch me on a good day, right? I mean, for example, I could go with this one here, like, well maybe, there we go. Uh, There's no better life lived than the one lived for Jesus Christ. All right, I'll stand for that, right? I'll I'll be known for that, but what if they caught me on a a bad day, right? You know, like, there's no more ignorant creation of God than the NFL referee. (laughs) Probably don't wanna be known for that long term, right? Thomas, unfortunately, he kind of gets branded for what happened that day when when Jesus came back. Let's jump here to the book of John, where it's talking, where Jesus is meeting with the disciples. It says, now Thomas, known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. They're excited about this. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were... Uh, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. I will not believe. Strong statement. And Thomas, of course, gets criticized for this, and seemingly justifiably, but maybe Thomas was a realist. I mean, he had seen all this stuff, right? He knew what had happened to Jesus he knew after he died, they, they run a spear into him, and blood and water flows. The Romans, they take him down from the cross. They, they put him in the tomb. He'd been there for three days, right? And, and, and most of all, dead people don't come back to life. So when his friends told him, we've seen the Lord, maybe he had some reason for being a skeptic, if you will for questioning whether Jesus is really alive. you know, I, Hey, I want to believe that too, guys, but if I'm going to believe something that big, I'm going to need to see those nail prints. I'm going to need to put my finger right there. I'm going to need to see some receipts on this one if I'm going to believe that he actually rose from the dead because that's a, a pretty amazing thing. So for Thomas... And for others at that time, the scars were important because Jesus' scars provided proof that he is who he says that he is. They're proof positive that this is Jesus. Thomas needs this kind of proof because he's got some doubts. Jesus understood Thomas' need for doubt or for, for proof. Because, well, Jesus was 100% human, 100% God. Jesus knows what it's like to, to doubt, to question, to challenge something. In fact, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, here we have the Son of God on His way to the cross. He knows what's happening, all these things. And what does He say in Luke 22? Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done. Not mine. Even Jesus asks God, is there any other option? Is there any other way we could do this? Is there any other possibility? Take it away. But not my will, but yours be done. It's a pretty good example for us. We can have our questions, our doubts, all these things, but the bottom line is, Lord, I want your way. I want your will because I trust that your will and your way is better than mine. A week later, it tells us in in back to the book of John, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Then Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. For Thomas, Jesus' scars provided proof that he really is who he says that he is. And Thomas here offers the most powerful, simple, five-word confession of faith found by one of the, the disciples, my Lord and my God. Jesus is not just a good guy. He's not just a good teacher. He is God, and I want him to be my Lord, my leader. doesn't get any stronger than those five words. Jesus then responds to him, and he says something very interesting for us today. He says, because you have seen me, you have believed Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. That's us here today. That's you and me Jesus is talking about. And He says, hey, Thomas, great. You see it and you believe. That's wonderful. But blessed are those who aren't going to see me, who aren't going to put their finger there, and they're still going to believe. They're going to have a faith that is greater than the, than the faith that you had. Second Corinthians tells us that we live by faith, not by sight. This doesn't mean an ignorant faith. No, we have lots of of historical reasons to trust the Bible, to believe in the resurrection. It's not a blind faith, but we don't get to physically touch Jesus and see him like Thomas did. And God says that we're blessed. We're blessed as a result of that. That's pretty cool. So for Thomas and them, the scars provided proof. For us, the scars show Jesus' love. Jesus' scars show love that we see and experience His great love for us through His scars. Why? Because He laid down His life. There are evidence that He gave Himself for us. There are evidence that He freely made this choice because by His death and resurrection, He would make us, make it possible for us to be one with the Father that our sins could be forgiven, that the price had been paid that we could never pay, so we could experience God's love in a whole new and powerful way. I read a story of a, a boy who uh, he, he, this is, goes back a long time ago, he was an orphan, and he lived with his grandmother, his only surviving relative. And tragically, the boy was upstairs playing one day when a fire broke out in the house Grandma attempted to save him, but Grandma was overcome by smoke inhalation and died in the fire. The boy was upstairs, and he had opened a window, stuck his head out so he could breathe, and he was crying out for help. A neighbor heard him and came running. The neighbor didn't have a ladder, but he saw attached to the side of the house one of those old iron drain pipes for a gutter. So he climbed up bravely, climbs up the pipe, The boy comes out the window and grabs on, holds the man around the neck for dear life as the man carefully climbs back down that iron pipe and saves the boy. A few weeks later, there was a meeting at the courthouse for this boy once again was an orphan. Who's going to take him? Well, the story was well known in this small town, and a number of folks had come up to make their case. It was the farmer who could take him and provide for him, and teach him a a valuable trade. There was the teacher who was such a great educator and could care for him so well. There was the wealthiest man in town who had lots of extra resources and would be happy to give generously to this young boy. As the boy heard each of these people, he sat and quietly stared at the floor, his future hanging in the balance. After they had shared their story, a man walked up from the back of the room with his hands in his pocket, and he came up to the front, and he stood there, and he showed the room his scarred hands, hands that had been scarred by that hot iron pipe as he climbed the burning house. The boy recognized the man. He ran forward, and he hugged him because he knew this man loved him. He cared so much He would risk his life. He would scar his own hands for this boy. The others quietly filed out of the room because there was no question who the right person was to take this boy. You see, Jesus' scars, they show love. When we think of his pierced hands and feet, we know what love is. It's sacrifice. Sacrifice for you and me, a sacrifice we didn't earn or deserve, but that he freely gave. And this love, it leads us to something else. It leads us to hope. Jesus' scars, they show hope. They demonstrate hope for you and for me because we have hope knowing that he knows, knowing that he has experienced pain himself. In fact, we might say that Jesus' scars, that they give hope. Why? Because his scars, <laughs> they changed God. Now you might say, well, heresy time out here, right? Jesus Christ the same yesterday, forevermore, it doesn't change, right? I know that God doesn't change. But our perception of God It continues to unfold as we learn as we grow in our faith as we know more and more about him our perception gets stronger and stronger and when you understand the scars of Jesus I think it it gives you an even bigger perception of God before we understand this we might see God as this distant one right think before Jesus came from this to this earth God is all-powerful. He's almighty. He's the creator. He's all these wonderful things, but he might also feel kind of like a distant deity. He's kind of out there a ways. Doesn't really experience human life and pain and suffering. Not true anymore. Jesus has come down, and he knows what it's like. He knows what it's like to experience this pain, and every scar tells a story, and these scars are on Jesus they tell a big story. They tell the story of when one of his closest 12 associates betrayed him into the hands of people who hate him. The story of when one of his three best friends denies three times that he even knows Jesus in some of his most painful moments here on earth. The story of how Jesus is put on trial for stuff he doesn't do. For he didn't do anything wrong and they put him on trial. They convict him over nonsense. They beat him. They torture him. They nail him to a cross, and he dies. Every scar tells a story. And in Jesus' scars, we see a story of love. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. These scars tell a story of love and of hope. And ultimately, Jesus' scars are our strength. We have strength to face tomorrow because we know, as Isaiah said, that he was wounded, right? He was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. So when you pray, my friend, you're not praying to a distant deity. You're praying to a God who gets it. You're praying to a God who knows what it's like to hurt, who knows what it's like to be abandoned, who knows what it's like to be mocked, who knows what it's like to be senselessly abused, who knows what it's like to go through physical pain, who knows what it's like to go through trauma. Yeah, you're praying to a God who gets it. You're praying to a God who knows and loves you. So we can find strength and we can find hope in Him. I want to pray, and as I do, would you just close your eyes with me? And would you let the Holy Spirit use your imagination? Imagine yourself sitting there with Thomas. Jesus is showing you the nail prints in his hands, his feet. He's inviting you to believe, to trust in him, And in these moments, it hits you what Jesus has been through. It hits you how much he's hurt, both his body and his heart. And it hits you that he understands pain and scars like you never realized he did before. So Jesus, here we are. We got scars. In a moment of silence, we just want to tell you about them right now. Some of them are from our families of origin. Some of them are from marriages or relationships that fell apart. Some of them are from dreams that died. Others are from loss. We just miss them so much. Others are from nasty words. Others are from things that have been done to us. Perhaps unspeakable things nobody else knows about. Others are from things we've done ourselves. We just need your healing touch, Jesus you're a wounded healer, one who's been there, done that, one who knows what it's like to walk this earth and to hurt. So I just pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would touch us, that you would heal us, that you would give us the ability to move forward, God, and that when we see these scars, Lord, that we would know that you've brought us through. And it doesn't mean that we're free from all memories or free from all pain, but instead that we have hope. We have hope that if you can get us through those things yesterday, you can get us through things today and tomorrow, and you can even use us to be part of your healing work here in this world. Jesus, we need you. Great physician, would you do your work in and through us for you are such a good god you are such a trustworthy savior you are the author you are the pioneer you are the perfecter of our faith and we give you praise this day we love you lord and we pray this all in jesus holy name amen